Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you for coming. Is everybody awake? Let me tell you something. You start falling asleep now because all the turkey, I'm going to start screaming, hollering, and spitting. So, not really. That's why nobody's up here. Well, thank you. Uh, What an honor for me to be able to speak uh, to these gracious church members and guests. Now, the greatest thing about speaking is that if you're the speaker, you get this parking spot right here. You ever seen that? Reserved. If you're not speaking, you you can't park there. That's only the speaker, right? So, because I got a jet over to the other campus and jet back. So, it's a great privilege. I was just saying, Lord, I pray that our senior pastor, Pastor Joe, doesn't park in my spot. (laughs) That's actually my spot. So, anyway, well, I think I have an encouraging word for you. And the infamous clock is ticking, my enemy. And uh, I want to talk to you about praise and thanksgiving. And um, the subtitle is The Three Essential Mindsets to Stay Thankful. Now, before I get into that, can I give you just a little question and answer over Thanksgiving, see, about your church history? And you're going to have to turn in your driver's license if you don't get... This right. Uh, now, we know when the pilgrims arrived, right? Now, this really didn't have anything to do with my message. It's just, it's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, do we know when they landed? Does anybody know? Just shout it out. Well, what, what was the date? Well, you just saw my notes, honey. You can't. Gosh, I already sabotaged my deal here. All right, so the year that they celebrated Thanksgiving, as history has it, is 1621. It was with the indigenous people, and there was a particular chieftain that helped them uh, uh, harvest and helped them, you know, with agricultural needs because they nearly starved to death, right? So does anybody remember his name? It's all in history. If you don't know this, what was his name? Yes, thank you, one person. All right. Apparently, George Washington tried to make it a national holiday, but uh, there was, believe it or not, a lady named Sarah Hale who was a magazine editor and an author. Did they have magazines in 1789? I don't know. Of course, this is AI, and that, you know, they're always right. So, uh, so she kept writing to all the presidents, basically, hey, look, we need to make it a national holiday. 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln heeded Hell's request and proclaimed Thanksgiving a national holiday. Uh, tradition continued until 1941, and then Congress made it an official holiday. And we get the day off. Amen? Amen. Thanksgiving and praise. The sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving is an intentional act and not based on feelings. So as a church congregation and from where I sit and the things I do for the church, I see the need for this more than ever because it's not a natural thing to be thankful. 
it's not a natural thing to uh, praise a God that you can't see. And usually when you're under pressure, this is when you need to do it most, is this is when you do it the least. Because you begin to murmur and complain, and, and especially when, when I'm dealing with someone that's got uh, struggles and issues and they need a pastor and, you know, or they lost their job or something's going bad in their marriage or they don't understand what's going on, they always default, human nature, me too, we default to what? The opposite of praise and thanksgiving is complaining and murmuring, right? And it's inevitable that I'm sitting there waiting for the person to say that they did something wrong and they never do. It's always the other person. Now, the other person may be at fault, but our, our responsibility is to praise and thank God in the midst of everything. That's what uh, Pastor Matthew shared, 1 Thessalonians 5. Now, where I take a lot of scripture, if, if there is a topic or subject in the Bible that's got more scriptures than you can ever quote in a day, is, the, is praise and thanksgiving. And it's a broad topic, but let me just show you what Psalm says, and let me try to help you in really the practice of praise and thanksgiving. It's, it's really a practice, and if things are going great in your life, I probably can't help you much today. <laughs> but, but if you're going through something, this message is essential for you. In Psalm, uh, they, they credit King David, and he says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. This is all out of the New King James. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing and know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are the people and the sheep of his pasture. Watch this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. So if you know anything about the temple, now as I looked and studied, David didn't build the temple. His son Solomon did, right? But there was the tabernacle of Moses that had been used since they came out of the wilderness and they had moved it around and it was at least 300 years old. It was at least 300. Somehow in history, King Saul, who was a bad guy, trying to kill David. Somehow he did away with it, uh, according to church history. Um, but it was gone. But David had erected his own worship. He had already started his own worship, and it didn't really have anything to do with the confines of a, of a uh, building or a structure. It had, it was, he made it, and he designed it, and it had gates in it. So he says the first thing you have to do is enter the Lord's presence with thanksgiving. That's where you start. Even if you don't feel like it, even if you feel like things are really going bad and you're under pressure, and when you get under pressure, you always default to the worst, most negative habit you got. So especially under pressure, you have to take control of your mouth and start giving God thanks for who he is and what he's done. The Bible says that God is good and his mercy endures forever and forever I will praise his name. So you have to really start there and it's gonna be hard for you to do it if you hadn't been doing it. But if you're in a tight spot, that's where you start. You enter his gates 
with thanksgiving. You start there. I'll just sit there, and I'm telling you, the day before had been a great day, and then I'll wake up in the morning, and it's kind of like I'm not even sure I'm saved, you know, especially some of these small groups. Uh, I think Pastor Derek has one at seven. I hadn't been yet. Uh, I'm, not even, I'm, I'm not even sure I'm saved at seven. Now, I get up early, but I'm not ready to meet the world and talk to people at 7 a.m., so I need a little, a little word time getting me ready to go. Uh, but that's where you be, begin. But when you get into the courts, that's where all the praise and the thanksgiving. See, praise and thanksgiving are like twin brothers. So during this short message, I'm going to bounce around. But it's really the same thing. They're twin brothers. Thanksgiving really is first. Praise comes second. Thanksgiving is more about something that you have or God has done, uh, any kind of memory. Pastor Matthew brought that out. Praise is giving him honor for who he is. So if you want to split hairs, but they, they, <clears throat> they move it around in the Bible. It's all really sometimes the same word. Hebrews 13, 15, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. That's your mouth. Giving thanks to his name. Now you can do a big study on the name of Jesus. It's phenomenal. So, so because Jesus was uh, brought in as the son of God with power and given the name that's above every name. That's what it says in Philippians. Jesus was given the name that's above every name so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven and on earth and those under the earth. And every tongue will confess that he is Lord because his name is above every name. Every demon in hell trembles at that name. So when you give thanks to his name, you're giving honor to his name. Now, where they took that, the Hebrew writer, which most people think is Paul, says the fruit of our lips. He took it out of Hosea 14 when it says, take away our iniquity, O Lord. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Now, you got to put that in context. That's when they were doing animal sacrifices. So if you look up that word, sacrifice of our lips, it literally means let our thanksgiving and our praise be as bull calves worshiped and sacrificed to you. That's how powerful your thanksgiving and praise is. If you can incorporate that in your walk, you'll see something great happen in your life. You'll see chains broken, right? You'll see chains broken. You'll see darkness begin to come off of you you'll begin to see answers to prayer a lot quicker. And that theme of thanksgiving and prayer is all through the Bible. There's so much here. It would take several series to go through it. But if you'll just start thanking God for the simple things, sometimes we'll begin our prayer together and we'll just thank God for a roof over our head. You know how many people don't have a roof over their head? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. Like when I was, when I was a, a little Catholic boy, we had Catholic school and we had the, I've told you about that. We had the Irish nuns and they would, so when we had lunch, sometimes at lunch, you really didn't know what that was you were eating, but they did have good rolls. But so, but you, when you took your tray in to, to you know, to, for them to clean it, you had to go through the teacher's table. The teachers would be eating there. And usually would be some nuns there. Not the nice ones, some would be the mean ones. And, uh, and so, 
One time, I was a smart aleck, believe it or not, I, I was. And, and so I went through the, and, the, and they have to check your tray before you put it away. They want to see if you ate your food. And we had some inventive ways of, we'd have one guy run interference and, you know, distract him. You go in there and dump the junk, whatever you're eating. You, you know, one time I put my English peas in my milk carton and tried to hide them. And so one time I just didn't think about it. I went up there, my English peas weren't eaten and, and said, Robert Sherman, let me see your tray. Yes, sister. I said, you need to eat those English peas. She said, you know, the children in China, there's people in China starving to death that don't have enough food to eat and, and, and you're not finishing your food. I said, well, you can give it to them if you... <laughs> that didn't go over very well. I got in trouble. See, what, what you have to see yourself as, as the Bible says, in First. Corinthians 3, it talks about us as a body as, as the temple of God. Paul said in, in Athens when he was giving that great evangelistic speech in Acts 17, he said, God does not dwell in uh, temples made with human hands. God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. He now dwells in the human body. 1 Thessalonians 3 talks about the corporate body, that we are the temple of the corporate, uh, we are a temple where God dwells, right? So we're here together. There's nothing specifically holy about this building. It's the people in the building. So when we come together and worship, we're worshiping as the temple of God. We're worshiping together. But I love 1 Corinthians 6 where it says your body, talking about individually, is the temple of the living God. That's hard to fathom. See, that's New Testament thinking. It's not Old Testament where you got to go to a particular structure, right? You got to go to a particular structure to, to worship and to sacrifice and bring your, uh, your goats or your bulls or your doves and sacrifice. You sacrifice by thanksgiving and praise. That's, how you, that's your sacrifice. And your body is the temple of the living God. Jeremiah 23, 23, he said, am I God just far off? I'm a God far off and near at the same time. Do I not feel heaven and earth? God is everywhere, always, even in the midst of your darkest thoughts. No matter what you're going through and you're driving down the road, God is there. All you have to do to access him is to begin to thank him and praise him for who he is and what he's done for you. That will begin to open up the door and then it will lead you to worship. That's New Testament praise and worship. Right. Let me just read you a few scriptures. Where'd 15 minutes go? Lordy. Gotta quit preaching. First Thessalonians 5, so it's not up there. You can, you, can, you can run, you can go on Google and find all this. It says 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. I'm not gonna read every verse but you can see where Paul's spirit was. He says, rejoice, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Matthew, Pastor Matthew, use that. Ephesians 5, 18 and 20. This is New Testament. This is, this is how you worship in the New, as a New Testament believer. It says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You can do that 
throughout the day, giving thanks always for all things to God. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. See, that's an ingredient that if it's not in there, it, it, it just seems like you're constantly repeating and asking God. It says, with thanksgiving, add thanksgiving to your request and supplication. Colossians 3, 15 and 17, it just says, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. See, there it is again. To the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Three mindsets to stay thankful. What is a mindset? It's a habitual mental attitude that determines how you respond to each situation. You've got to have the right mindset. We're not in heaven yet. Did you know that? We're not in heaven. People go, why'd God let this happen? Why are there so many wars? How could I believe in a God with so many wars and so many diseases and so many bad things? Guess what? We're not in heaven. We're not there yet. We're not of this world. We're in it, so we're going to be attacked. I don't care if you're a sinner or a saint. I don't care if you're a believer or unbeliever. Everybody gets hit. Everybody gets something. And so if you've gone through life and you're in your 40s and nothing bad has happened to you or you've not been tested or you had not had a death in your family that really tore your heart out, that's a good thing. But that's a minority. Most people are dealing with something at least maybe I'm tainted because where I sit, I, I'm a pastor and we, we get all the stuff that's going on and we want to help. That's our heart. We have the grace for it. But yet I know that if I don't get a hold of their mindset and I don't get a hold of their mouth, things are not going to get better. They're going to get worse. The depression is going to get deeper and more intense. The anxiety is going to tear your guts out. So, so thanksgiving and praise has to be, hey, that's my mindset. I'm not going to default to um, being critical and negative and blaming everybody. You know, this happened to me when I was just starting out. I, I'd gotten out of college. I was living way down in Gulfport, Mississippi. It's not what it is now. I called it Gulf Hole. Gulf Hole, Mississippi was... His old dirty little resort town. So got a job there. It was great. God called me in the ministry. That's another story. I went out to DeSoto National Park. I fasted for a whole day. <laughs> I said, Lord, I've already, my parents were not happy. Uh, I called them up and my dad, you know, sacrificed to send me to college. And he just said, I said, look, I'm getting ready to leave Gulfport, I'm going to move back up to North Mississippi to the college town because I've met some guys. And you're going to hear one of them, Steve Merle, uh, who's got a church in the Philippines, 100,000 people. Uh, Pastor Joe's invited him to our presence conference in January. And Rice Brooks was there. They, he, he's, if y'all have done the little purple book, that, that's those two guys. They were up there. They were still in college. But I had met them through a series of events, and I just felt the Lord said, that's your next step. So I called my parents, and my parents said, my mom started crying. You know, they're, they're devout Catholics. And she said, you're not going to be a Baptist, are you? I said, no. <laughs> no I, mean, I don't think the Baptists want me. But um, 
Dad said, look, of all the dumb things you've done, this is the worst. And, um, you know, I just thought, oh, wow, that's a blow. But as soon as I hung up, I think I hung up on him, and I knelt down by my bed, and I just said, Lord, thank you for my parents. I applied this. I said, thank you for my parents. Thank you for them sacrificing for me, bringing me in this world. They don't understand what God's doing, but I love them, bless them, call me right back. They had like a five-minute conversation. We don't know what God's doing in your life, but you got our blessing. So I left, moved to Starkville, Mississippi, and um, it's the Harvard of the South. If you're a farmer, you can um, learn how to raise cows and goats and soybeans. So I went up there, and there's no jobs. So I'm out of a job, which was a promising career, and I wound up having toilet duty. I had to clean the toilets. I think I'm 24 years old. How did I get here? And I felt the Lord said, start being thankful for cleaning the toilets. It took me a day or two to (laughs) start doing that. But I did. I didn't know where my future was. My friends all thought I was crazy. I, I had got a call from Rice Brooks who had started traveling. He was a little younger than me, but they had sent him on a, a tour of traveling through our little small chapels. We had started a few. He says, I want you to travel with me. And I thought, thank God, that's better than cleaning toilets. I said, now, what, what's the pay? He said, well, there's no pay. <laughs> We're going to live by faith. And so I told my dad that. He said, well, how are you guys going to make a living? What, how are you going to make money? You know, he's a first-generation immigrant, uh, Middle Eastern, grew up, you know, went through the Depression, uh, worked all his life. He, I said, well, Dad, what do you think? I said, we're going to travel through and speak at college campuses. And he said, well, how are you boys going to make a living? And I said, uh, I, I wasn't ready for that. I said, well, I, th- I think we'll probably pass an offering around tried to get our budget out of that. He didn't say anything. I said, well, what do you think? He said, well, it just sounds like y'all are trying to skip out on doing any work. So, <laughs> so the first mindset you have to have is you have to surrender to the Lord. You have to acknowledge the Lord's sovereignty in your life, your rule. You have to be surrendered. If I see anything in the Christendom world there, it's just like we're, we're satisfied being cultural Christians. You know what I mean by that? You're just used to the just, I can kind of fit in as long as I, I don't rob banks or do anything like that. I'm, I'm a good Christian, right? But not really surrendered. As soon as pressure hits or something bad happens, they're ready to give up on church and God and people. So, but if you're totally surrendered to the Lord, you know, the Bible mentions Jesus being your Savior, only 37 times. So everybody's got their Savior um, fire insurance policy in their pocket, right? And, and so they're satisfied with that, and that'll get you to heaven if that's what you want to do. You just want, going to heaven is not hard. It's not a hard thing. But submitting to his Lordship, which is in the New Testament over 600 times, it's Jesus is Lord and Savior. When you submit to his lordship, you are submitting to him and his will in your life, and you're trusting him with every step. Sometimes you take a step, and you think you're in quicksand, but when you look back, 
It's actually a stepping stone. See, it's all in your attitude. It's all in your mindset. If Jesus is Lord, he must be Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. Jesus said in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? It is lordship. He's not a tyrant. He's a loving father. So whatever he's calling you to is for your benefit. The worship and praise and thanksgiving is not because he's got an ego. It's because mankind left to himself will live in evil and will live and hate. People say, well, I just can't follow God. He's got all these wars. Well, is God causing the wars or is it man? So you're going to always fight the devil, your flesh, or the world. Those three are going to be your biggest enemies. Sometimes all three will come at you at the same time. And you got to be determined that Jesus is your Lord, he is your protector, and he is going to take care of you. That's what Paul said in Acts 17, 24, he said, he is Lord of both heaven and earth. Jesus said in Revelation 1, 18, I was dead, but now I'm alive, and I have the keys of both death and hell. That is who we serve. We serve an all-powerful, all-living God, and you must submit to that if you're going to be able to function and grow as a Christian. First, uh, we're going to skip uh, Chronicles 29. Let me read this. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great king above all gods. I know in this world and all the turbulence we got going on, you're wondering where God is. He is where he's always been. When Jesus came, died, rose again, that was 2,000 years ago. But you know, the Bible says that to God, one day is 1,000 years. So as far as God's concerned, that happened two days ago. He's not slow about his coming. Sometimes when you see stuff happening you know, you wonder, what, what, what are we living in? Look, look, look at the news. It's the, the craziness that goes on, the division in the country. We have to, as Christians, to be effective, keep our mind on him and his lordship. Everybody's mad at everybody about something. Everybody's got a gripe, a complaint. Somebody's disenfranchised. Somebody's entitled and not getting what they want. We're not to be like that. We're not to engage in the spirit of the world. He is Lord of heaven and earth. Number two, you must cultivate a lifestyle of gratitude and thanksgiving. That goes without saying, right? That goes without saying. Psalm 145 says, I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, I will bless you. And I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Psalm 119 and 164 says, I will worship God seven times a day. Philip, uh, uh, Psalms 113.3 says, from the rising of the sun to its going down, the name of the Lord is to be praised. You have to develop a consistent discipline 
life. If everything is going great, well, great. But you have to put that in your prayer life. Every morning before you pray, give God thanks and praise. Thanks and praise for who he is. That will keep an umbrella of blessing in your life. If you don't do that, you will succumb to the world within a day. The, the way the world thinks, I'm not talking about something horribly evil. I'm just talking about you start losing your edge spiritually. Things hit you. Missiles in the night come and you don't even see it coming. Especially if you've been serving the Lord a long time and you've been in, in the church a while and you've got a large family or kids. Stuff always happens. It always happens. So you need to be prepared. And the way you do that is by giving thanks. Let me, let me throw this out in, in First Chronicles. It says that David, you know, David was a billionaire. I just read something. I don't have time. He was a billionaire. They took the silver and they figured up all of these kings that he had taken uh, 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 jewelry from and, and livestock. And they added up all the silver that he had. They added up the gold and figured it on today's prices that he had given the temple when it was, he never built the temple, but he collected all of the material for his son Solomon to build the temple, right? It's estimated he gave the temple about $150 billion to build that temple in today's money. Said so when he died, said he was worth $188 billion. They just did that based on today's number. But yet he constantly and continually Thank the Lord. He hired 4,000 people just to praise the Lord 24 hours a day. 4,000. You can read it. It's in 1 Chronicles 23. 4,000 to burn incense and give thanks to the Lord. This is how important this is. This isn't something you can just kind of blow off, especially for the spirit-filled believer. I mean, he's given us everything to function in praise and thanksgiving. Do you know if you look in 1 Chronicles 14, it talks about and explains the gift of tongues, which we believe in here. We're, we're charismatic Pentecostal church. We believe in that gift. Not everybody does it or pursues it. and You, you don't have to have it to be a member, but it is, it is the most controversial topic in the New Testament among, among Christians in, in this era. They just fight over it. Churches are split over it. There's people mocking it. I mean, Christian men that I, I respect. I mean, they just mock it. They think it's, but, but, but it's got a place. And one of them you'll find in 1 Corinthians 14, 7. Now, the greater context is when you have someone give a message in tongues, it needs an interpreter, right? But if you're praying in tongues by yourself, it doesn't need an interpreter. Now, I can show you all of that. But 1 Corinthians 14, 17, it's talking about having someone interpret it because someone that doesn't have that gift doesn't know what you're saying, but yet you're still giving thanks. So when you're praying in tongues, guess what you're doing? You're giving him thanks. That's what you're doing in a supernatural way. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2. It said the Holy Spirit fell. And those in the upper room, the 120, began to speak with other tongues, unlearned tongues. And those that were sitting out watching thought they were drunk. But yet they heard them speak of the mighty deeds of God. There was no message of salvation in that. That was just an event when the Holy Spirit came, right? 
Holy Spirit came. They spoke in tongues. All these people out there, Cretans, Arabs, my people, the Arabs there, some of my grandfather's probably out there, looking at this and saying, they are talking about the mighty deeds of God. It was worship to God. It wasn't, someone said, well, they were preaching the gospel, and that's when people got saved. Well, obviously, you hadn't read it. You haven't read that real carefully. Read it. The next verse, Peter stood up in one language, preached, and 3,000 got saved. Nobody gets saved hearing tongues. It's meant to give thanksgiving and praise to God. Are you with me? The devil wants worship. That's what he wants. That's why he fights it. That's why he fights tongues. That's why he fights it. He creates all this havoc about it, right? Because he wants worship. What did he tempt Jesus with? The last temptation says, I want you to bow down and worship me. That's what he wants. That's what God wanted when he sent Moses into uh, Egypt. He said, I want you to let my people go. You see that sign sometimes. But why? Because he just wanted to beat up on Pharaoh? He just wanted to, which was pretty good. He threw a couple of plagues his way. He said, I want them out. I want you to let them go so that they may worship me. That's what God wants for you because in worshiping in him, you fully align your life. Last point is not so much a mindset, but people go, well, why, why should I thank God and praise him? Well, one, it magnifies him according to Psalm 69. You know what a magnifying glass does, right? Right, it doesn't literally make the thing bigger, but in your eyes, it's bigger. So when you worship and thank God, you magnify him and your problems diminish, right? Everybody's got a magnifying glass. It matures us in James 1, 1 through 4. Count it all joy. That's hard. <laughs> Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. God, oh, that, that, that's hard. When you're in a trial, that's hard. Now, you may be more spiritual than me. That's not a, that's not a big bar to jump over, but... <laughs> Knowing that the test of your faith produces patience and the patient has a perfect work, you may be perfect or mature. It matures you. You know, I heard a guy say, I would not go through what I did for a million dollars, but I wouldn't take a million for it. There was a CEO, it was an article Carla read where they said, if you could go back and not go through all of these trials and tests and downfalls and bankruptcies, would you do it? He goes, no, I would, I would keep it the same because though it was hard, I came out on the other side better, smarter, and more full of wisdom. It releases God's power against the devil. Don't think there's a, not a devil. Don't get so sophisticated. Don't get so academic and intellectual. You don't think there's a devil. There is one, right? Now you got to fight your own unrenewed flesh in the world but there's a devil. Jesus said that when the woman bent over and the Pharisees were mad. He said, ought not this woman who's been, the Satan has bound for 18 years? Shouldn't she be free? Peter said in Acts 10, 38, says, we know Jesus who was anointed by God, who went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil. 
So he's in there somewhere. When you worship God in Psalms 149, it breaks the chains of darkness. Last of all, God will use everything for your good, Romans 8, 28. My impartation to you hopefully was that you'll see the need to do it and that you will begin to do it and you will see your spiritual life grow with leaps and bounds. Psalms 150 says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, if there's anyone going through difficulty, trial, doesn't understand what's happening to them or why, I pray that you would energize them, give them grace and energy to begin to practice a focus towards you, a focus of praise and thanksgiving and worship. We love you, Lord. We thank you for ordering our steps. Whatever the devil meant for evil, you will turn it for our good. And everybody that believes that said amen. 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 Thank you all. I appreciate that. And I will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas. God bless.